Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 24, how Eleazar saw himself not just as a servant of Abraham, but as a friend to Abraham, and will study the impossible mission of faith for him to find a wife for Isaac. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, is so thankful for all of the emails and the calls that we get on how you enjoy Friendship with God. Now, Tom Cantor is not just a pastor, Bible teacher. He's also an author, patent holder, inventor, advocate for patience, the 2009 Whistleblower of the Year. And you may or may not know that Tom Cantor is also a scientist and biochemist and CEO of Scanabody's Laboratory, Inc. He's also the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, which is a suburb of San Diego, California. And because of Tom Cantor's science and creation background, we're going to offer you three wonderful books for a donation of $20 or more for your support of the Friendship with God radio program. And this is While Supplies Last. The first book we're offering is How Your Origins Matter. This book will help answer the important questions of what is my purpose? Why am I here? What is the meaning of life? And why is a creator important? The second book we're offering is The Ice Age and the Flood. It's a great book that will show you how the Bible and science both explain the Ice Age and the Flood. And the third book is On the Search for Noah's Ark by Dr. John Morris. This book will look at the archaeological, scientific, biblical, and theological impact of the search for Noah's Ark from Dr. Morris's adventures on Mount Ararat. We're offering these three wonderful books for a donation of $20 or more, and this offer is only available while supplies last by calling us at 800 247 3051 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Get these three books for a donation of $20 or more, 800-247-3051. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on the Friendship with God radio program. Went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, and his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. She said, wait a second, what did he say? I'm not going to let that slip by. I'm going to keep that. So this deep absorption of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see this, and there was a group, there was a group in Luke 166 that did that, where he says, and all they that heard them laid up in their hearts, laid them up in their hearts, saying, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with them. See all these phrases? They laid them up in their hearts. They kept all these sayings in their heart. He observed all these sayings. He pondered them in her heart. See, all these are saying. And what this is saying to us is the message of the great Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4, where it starts off and it says, 6.4 through 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Verse 6 says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Tape them, ponder them, think about them. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples to do in Luke 9, 43 for 44, when he says, it talks about the group, and then he talks to his disciples separately, and he says the group, it says, they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. So they said, oh, look at all those miracles. I haven't seen that today in a while. That's something. But then it says, while they wondered, everyone at all the things which Jesus did, see, you can picture it now. They're all, the big group is wondering about what Jesus did. Then it says that Jesus said unto his disciples in Luke 9, 44, let these things sink deep into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. See, he uses this term, sink deep into your ears. Describe how his words are to be to us. The book of Hebrews exhorts us this way when it talks about let's God's words sink deep into your ears when it says in Hebrews 2.1, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed 
to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Keep them. And the verse tells us, give the more earnest heed, more effort, more focus, more concentration. Hebrews 12, 2-3 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, and then what does it say? For consider him. That's the next step. This is the facts. Now consider it. Now let it sink into your hearts. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your own minds. See, to keep us from being worn out, from just enduring, we're told, don't just know, but consider. Consider him. Don't just know that he suffered these things, but let it sink deep into our hearts. So letting the word of God, letting the words of the Lord Jesus Christ sink deep into our hearts will keep us from sin. That's what I, Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin, sin against thee. It doesn't say thy word have I known, but the word have I hid. I'm not just able to quote chapter and verse in the word of God, but I've hidden it in my heart. It's tucked away. It's in the deep recesses of my heart. I spent time tucking it here and tucking it there. Like someone that's got a lot of money and they're thinking about a burglar is going to break into their house and say, now I'll put some under the mattress and I'll put some under the chair. And you know, that's what it means. And so every person in this world is categorized by how far they let the word of God come into them. Every person is categorized by how far they let the word of God come into them. This is the meaning of the most important parable, the parable of the sower and the seed. Because it's really talking about, the parable of the sower and seed is really talking about, you can take a ruler and measure how far each person lets the word of God come into them, and then you can see those four categories. And he says it like this in Luke 8, 11 through 15. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, those that be though by the wayside are they which hear, then cometh the devil, taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root. And for a while believe, but in time of temptation they fall away. And they which fell among thorns are they which, when they heard, they go forth, and they're choked, choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in a good and honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, same word, and bring forth fruit unto patience. See the first group? Hard-hearted, hard-grounded persons. They don't let the word of God sink at all into their heart. So, gone. Doesn't go very far. Second group, rocky ground. Doesn't go very far either. Trials come and the word has no root. Gone. Third group, thorny grounds. They let distractions They let distractions of anxieties, of riches, of pleasures, they limit the word of God as to how far it's going to go in by distractions. It's only the fourth group with the prepared ground that comes and they openly welcome the word of God. Openly welcome. They don't let trials, they don't let anxieties, they don't let riches, they don't let pleasures, they don't let any of that uproot the word of God. This is the only group that pleases God. And all because they let the word of God go deep into their hearts. Now, another way in which the Lord Jesus Christ asks that his words be carefully considered is what he said in Luke 14, 28 through 23, when he uses this term. He said, for which you intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost. He says, counteth the cost. That's considering. That's pondering. That's letting it go deep whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation, not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, and saying this man began to build, was not able to finish. Or what king? 
going to make war against another king. Sitteth now down first, and consulteth whether he be able ten thousand to meet him with cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, when he's a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, he said, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now he said, this is what it meant. This is what he meant when he says, count the cost. Count the cost, it means forsaking everything. Everything. Houses, wives, lands, if it comes down to that. No one will count the cost unless they let his words sink deep into their hearts. And when he said in Luke 14, 26, if any man would come after me and hate not his father and his mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he can't be my disciple. He's disqualified. He cannot be my disciple. So the first characteristic we see here in Eliezer is that he did not casually listen to what Abraham was saying, but he carefully considered Abraham's words. The second characteristic we see in Eliezer here from verse 5 is that Eliezer then, having absorbed what Abraham said, he now becomes married to the mission. He's married to it. It's now his mission. And he wants to succeed for Abraham. And so he knew the goal is to get a bride for Isaac. And that's why he asked in verse 5 about, well, what's plan B? If I can't bring Isaac back to the people, this is going to be a tough sell, he's thinking. So why did he ask that question? Why did Eliezer bring this up? Because he wanted to make Abraham happy. He wanted to get a wife for Isaac. And this shows how much Eliezer wanted to make Abraham happy by having a successful mission. See, he wasn't just a servant It wasn't just a servant. You know, he wasn't the attitude of, okay, look, I'm paid for eight hours of work. That's what Abraham's going to get. He's going to get his eight hours of work. I'll do the best I can, but if the mission's successful, the mission's successful. If the mission fails, the mission fails. Abraham gets my best shot. That's it. That's not Eliezer. That's not Eliezer. He wanted this to be successful. He wanted to make Abraham happy. And it shows that Eliezer is not just a servant to Abraham. He's a friend to Abraham. He's a servant friend or a friend servant. And if Eliezer saw himself as just a servant to Abraham and not a friend, then he would have thought, I got my orders, I'm off, I'm gone, I'll faithfully do what I've been ordered to do. But he sees himself also as a friend to Abraham. And as a friend to Abraham, Eliezer is taking this on as his personal goal. We'll return with our Bible study with Tom Cantor here in just a moment on the Friendship with God radio program. We want to remind you that Tom Cantor has a bookstore with all of his materials that's available online at our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Get all of Tom Cantor's materials, and there are many creation resources there, as Tom Cantor is the owner-operator of the Creation Earth History Museum in Santee, California. And also, he's got his daily devotional verse you can sign up for Write at friendshipwithgod.org. Sign up for that. Get a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor, just one verse from the Bible, and a small commentary, one or two-sentence commentary on that verse. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Or you can call us to support this Bible teaching radio program as well with a one-time or monthly contribution. Call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here again is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. He says in verse 4, take a wife unto my son Isaac. That's me. That's why Paul starts off. He says the gospel of Christ in Romans, gospel of God, and he ends the book with my gospel. He's become married 
to this is Eliezer. You see, as only a servant to Abraham, Eliezer would have said, all right, just tell me what I've got to do and I'll do it. But as a friend of Abraham, Eliezer says, I've got to get a wife for Isaac. And that's why Eliezer is such a great example to us. Because we don't want to be just a servant for the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be his friend. And so the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't want to be, us just to have the servant relationship with him. He wants us to have a friend relationship with him. That's why he said in John 15, 13 through 15, when he says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his, not servants, friends. And then he says, Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. And he says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. See, what's the difference here between the servant and the friend? The difference is making known. Making known. You might say, making known. You might say, more than a servant needs to know. A servant only needs to know what he's supposed to do. But because he wants us to be his friends, he's told us much more than a servant needs to know. As a friend, he wants us to absorb his burdens. He wants to carefully, carefully consider them and to absorb them, his burdens, his concerns, and make them our own. He wants us to see him in Matthew 23, 37, as he stretches out his hands and he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, stonest those which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. And in Romans 10, 21, he wants us to see, but to Israel he saith, all day long have I stretched forth my hand unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Now, Gentiles, okay, we are Gentiles. <laughs> okay, if we are Gentiles, why do we care? Why do we need to know that God is stretching forth his hands to the Jewish people? Doesn't affect us. Only the Gentile servant of the Lord Jesus doesn't affect him. But a Gentile friend of the Lord Jesus, when he sees the Lord Jesus stretching his hands out daily, crying to the Jewish people, and he says, as a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ, I absorb that heart burden into myself for the lost Jewish people. That's my heart burden. A friend of the Lord Jesus Christ says, no, no, when I've come to church, I've come to sing to God. When I pray, I've come to stretch forth my soul to God. When I hear prayer requests, I've come to take those on as my burdens of my heart. And when I hear the word, I'll make my heart like a sponge and it's just going to absorb the word of God. See, that's a friend. And so what we've seen in these opening verses here is that the first and foremost, Eliezer of Damascus was not just a servant to Abraham. Eliezer of Damascus was a friend to Abraham. Now, until we get to verse 10, Eliezer has really not believed that this is possible. See, the issue is clear. And Eliezer says to Abraham, I can't do it. I can't find a wife like that who's willing to marry a man that she's never seen before that's 130 miles away. So up until verse 9, Eliezer is not willing to swear to Abraham. He's not in. But in verse 7, Abraham explains to Eliezer, and this is the great change that comes to Eliezer, that, look, God's going to get the wife. If, Eliezer, you do your part, then the angel's going to get involved. And then after that, Eliezer, he goes along with Abraham and he believes God. And then he becomes convinced. He's a convinced man. See, before this, he's not convinced. And then after uh, Abraham explains, he's convinced. So the meaning of verse 10, it just pops off the page as we see that Eliezer is doing in verse 10 is he faced this great impossibility. 
And it says in verse 10, And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. See, verse 10 shows us that Eliezer has successfully fought off these feelings. He fought off these feelings of unbelief. That he's not going to find a wife for Isaac. He successfully fought off the feelings. And how did he do it? He looked into the face of Abraham. He looked into the face of Abraham. He let Abraham's faith transfer to his own soul. And Eliezer knew, naturally speaking, find a wife like that? No, that's an impossibility. But Eliezer, as a friend, so opened himself up, his heart up to Abraham, that Eliezer now has the same faith in God that Abraham does. He believes with Abraham, that God has brought Abraham out of his family, out of his people, out of his country, and Abraham's seed is going to inherit the land of Canaan. And so therefore, Eliezer believes with Abraham, God's going to provide a wife for Isaac so Abraham can have a seed. Because Eliezer now believes this, he believes now Abraham's God. And we can look at Abraham's faith, and then we can look at Abraham's faith, and we say, boy, now they're the same. And then we see Eliezer's faith, and he's setting out to go get a wife now. And we can just repeat the words of Charles Wesley. Faith, mighty faith, the promise sees. And looks to God alone, laughs at impossibilities, and cries, it shall be done. That's Eliezer. He had to fight off those feelings. How do we know that he believed God with Abraham? Because he's going, for one thing. But he's not just going, he's taking ten camels. It's a huge amount. Ten camels. Camel can carry a lot of things. Lots of gifts, lots of jewels. You don't need ten camels just to make the 130-mile trek, you know, but back and forth. But they're loaded with jewels and gold and silver and everything. Why? To persuade the bride to come back with him to Isaac. And to persuade the family of the bride to allow her to come back with him to Isaac. And he was going to need that when he ran into Laban. And those ten camels are loaded down. It shows how Eliezer is convinced God is going to provide a wife for Isaac. Now, how does that apply to us? What we've seen in Eliezer is how a man brought his doubts and his questions and his fears to Abraham and let Abraham address those issues by showing him how God was in this. See, when we have doubts and fears and questions... What should we do? Be like Eliezer. Bring him to our Abraham, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, what we've seen in Eliezer is a man who opened his heart to Abraham, looked full into the face of Abraham, absorbed the faith of Abraham, and Abraham's faith became Eliezer's faith. When we feel the swelling tide of our own unbelief, and we like Eliezer, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we pray in Mark 9, 23-24, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father and child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And like Eliezer did with Abraham, we with an open heart, we look full into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ and we let the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ become our faith. As it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, were changed, as Eliezer was changed, into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 4.6, God who commands the light to shine out of the darkness, he shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we absorb the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is spoken of in James 2.1, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So from verse 10 
where we see Eliezer loading down these ten camels with provisions, the jewels, the gifts. We see an Eliezer that has become absolutely convinced now by Abraham who convinced him God's going to provide a wife. So at the end of verse 10, we see how Eliezer comes to the city of Nahor, which lies between the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers. It's the same city as Haran that we read about in Genesis 11.31 that the father Terah took everybody to, and then in Genesis 12.4 that Abraham was 75 years old when he left this city. That's where Eliezer has come to. And so in verse 11, we see now Eliezer's got a plan. He's got a plan. It says, And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of evening, at the time that the women go out to draw water. So what we see in the last part in verse 11 where it says even the time when women go out to draw water, is Eliezer doing his long journey there. He's been concocting a plan here. He's been hatching a plan. He's been devising a plan how he's going to get a wife for Isaac. And he knows that, well, let's see, the men, they all meet at the gate of the city, so that's not a good place to go. That's where they like to go talk. But the women, they like to get together in the early evening at the wells to draw water. So that's where I'm going to go. He knows where the women are going to go. Just like the lions know that the gazelles go to the springs of water. Not that Eliezer's going to pounce on the woman, but anyway. <laughs> but he's decided to go where the women are. Okay, smart man. And he makes his camels to kneel down, and their loads are slung across their backs, so that takes the load off them, so the camels are happy. And he has a job to do for Abraham. He's responsible for Abraham. He's got a plan. You know, he can't control the outcome, but he's sure going to do his best. He's engaged. This is one engaged man. That's why verse 11 is so important when you see him going out to the city by the well of the water there at the time, evening, because it's a challenge for us. When we do work for others, as he was, we need to do it diligently as to the Lord. As it says in Colossians 3.23, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. And Eliezer didn't just sit down in the desert and say, okay, I'll just sit here until God brings me a wife for Isaac. He's got a plan. And the plan is the best he can come up with, and he's diligent about it. And now we see in verse 12 where it says, And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day. Show kindness to my master Abraham. What was the first step in Eliezer's plan to get a wife? Prayer. It's the first step. He doesn't rush in there and say, well, I got the plan. That's all I need. No, he prays. And here he's guiding us before we start our day, before we start a work. Prayer. Start it with prayer especially when it involves something we can't see into, like what kind of a husband or what kind of a wife this person's going to make. Nobody knows. Prayer is essential. We see that Eliezer is specific about who he's praying to. Eliezer of Damascus, he has lifted his voice, and he said, I'm talking to Abraham's God, to Jehovah Jesus. There's no question who Eliezer is praying to. He calls him the Lord God of my master. We need to focus when we pray. We know who we're praying to. We're praying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Or we're praying to God the Father, who is an exact image, express image of God the Father. And we see Eliezer, he's asking him to send him good speed. He says, send me good speed. Literally, the Hebrew reads, he's asking God to show to his face kindness. Show to my face kindness. He knew he couldn't get a wife for Isaac on his own. He's asking God to be with him and to show to his face that God was in this in what happened. It shows that above all, Eliezer was asking God, make it very clear to me that you are leading and you're controlling in this. That's essential for me to know. And so he leads us, Eliezer is leading us here to have as a first priority to know that God is in the endeavor. And last in verse 12, which is where we're going to stop, he's keenly aware when he says, show kindness unto my master. He's keenly aware that Abraham's not just sitting under a palm tree drinking lemonade back home. 
he's on his knees praying also that there'll be good success. So he's asking God, in essence, hear Abraham's prayer. Answer Abraham's prayer also. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you for the life of Eliezer and how much he teaches us, and may we be like him. In Jesus' name, amen. Another great Bible study from Tom Cantor. Just a reminder, if you would like to download this message for free, you can do so on our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com and SermonAudio.com. So friendshipwithgod.org, iTunes.com or SermonAudio.com to download today's message or past messages. Now you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up with your email for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse, just one small verse from the Bible and a small exhortation or encouraging note from Tom Cantor on that verse from the Bible, you can sign up with your email at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse available through Facebook. You can befriend Tom Cantor by searching for Tom Cantor on Facebook, as well as Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God. Now, Israel Restoration Ministries has two full-time positions open right now in the Southern California area, one in San Diego, as well as one in the Los Angeles County area. So if you'd like to be called to reach the Jewish people full-time as a Jewish evangelism missionary, contact Israel Restoration Ministries, and also contact us if you'd like to be one of our volunteer missionaries, reaching lost Jewish people all over the United States, Canada, Israel, and South America, and all over the world. If you'd like to be one of our volunteer missionaries working for Israel Restoration Ministries or a full-time missionary working in the Southern California area, contact us directly at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism or to get a free gift for a lost Jewish person you know, you can also contact us at the same number, 800 247 3051. That's 800-247-3051. Or for more information about Israel Restoration Ministries, go to israelrestoration.org or friendshipwithgod.org.